Welcome to Mindspace Minimal. We're your hosts, Daniel Ryan and Jessica Yatrovsky. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We hope you enjoy this episode. So today we are talking to a very special guest, Cliff Matsuno, and we're going to be chatting and exploring on this episode today titled Ancestral Trauma and Self-Healing. And when I talk to this man, we always end up going down this rabbit hole of epigenetics, ancestral trauma, intergenerational DNA. So Cliff is an LA-based physiotherapist, a healer, and an all-around life changer. When I say this, it comes from a very personal place, um, my experiences working with him. And so I am so grateful to have you here today, Cliff, and we welcome you to the podcast. Thank you, Jessica and Dan. This is great being here. Great to have you. So please, Cliff, before we get into everything and all the subjects we're excited to speak with you about, tell us a little bit about your practice, yourself, and your background. Okay. Uh, it started 40 years ago, maybe even a little bit longer than that. So I uh, was a physical therapist and gone to physical therapy school at the Cal State Long Beach. I uh, took a different path. So rather than the academic path, I took more of the ATA path and looked up these practitioners. And it sent me to the San Francisco Bay Area. And I was there for almost 35 years and learned from some amazing uh, practitioners. But yet, although alternative, it was still integrative, meaning that we respected the medical profession as to working together. And back then, it was, it was unheard of. And mm. being an alternative, you had to stay way under the radar, especially in being that we were you know, still phys- some physicians and physical therapists. We still had to stay really low key. Even the, um, the medical uh, physicians had to stay low key with this. So now that it's evolved to this point where alternative and complementary care is now seeing more people than primary care, uh, it's really changed uh, a lot in 40 years. And so now we're, you know, someone like myself, I've you know, seen so many patients now and we're kind of coming back and bringing maybe the science of antiquity or the wisdom of antiquity along with it. There's a lot of really good intended practitioners and um, they just, they're learning a lot of cool stuff, but maybe they're getting certifications really quickly and they're getting out there and really excited, but bringing, bringing in a level of science to this. And so this is how my practice is. I'm in Beverly Hills. I usually see the most complex cases, but we use the complex as a, a watchmaker, and a complex just means a lot of moving parts that make up mm-hmm. the whole. And so we look at it, we look at it like a fine uh, watchmaker. And so that's the way we look at piecing it together. We look at mind, body, and behavior as the key. And once those are restored and balanced, it's pretty simple. I mean, we can tap them on the butt with a shovel and they get better. So there's something <laughs> innate and a, a functional intelligence. And that's why I continue to do this work after 30,000 people. It's just, it's amazing to see where I don't even know how they got better. I mean, it's just, wow, your liver enzymes 
along with your neck problem are now normalized. And it's, it's really great to see, but there, there's really no magic to this. There's, the, there's this, like I say, this functional intelligence that everyone has. And when it's elicited or what we call a, a wellness trigger, uh, it's, it's pretty cool to see. Um, and, and that's why I continue to do this. So 40 years and 30,000 clients later, I'm, I'm still working. Uh, but now moving into pivoting into teaching now. Hmm. Beautiful. Yeah, you said so much there that I would love to respond to. I offer hypnosis and regression therapy in private practice in the city and have been doing so for about 10 years now. So uh -huh. hearing you talk about the sensitivity of language, how to present yourself, integrating all sorts of practices and also collaborations uh, across aisles of alternative modalities to psychiatry and, and biomedicine. And I have a terrific appreciation of that. And you're, you're hitting me on a personal level. I, I would love to just hear a little bit more and a few stories that stay with you, particularly from those early years, the sensitivity of those collaborations, what it was like, you know, things that you know, we don't know that perhaps we should know about. Yeah, would love to hear a few of those stories from the early years and what it was like creating those relationships before, as a culture, perhaps we were ready to integrate those things. Sure. Yeah. Well, this is this is right up your alley, Dan, and you probably recognize that the somatics are basically to us, at least 70%, if not more, are symptoms of the emotions. And so when I was just starting out, this therapist and practitioner, osteopath, and it was everything rolled into one, I go and volunteer for him. And his name was Don Schwartz. And this is, this is almost 40 years ago. And before I went in to observe with him for the first client, he, he kind of taps me on the shoulder and he says, don't watch what I do. Listen to what I say. It's more important. And that made absolutely no sense to me then and for at least five to eight years. He was trained by uh, someone who I never heard of named Milton Erickson. Hmm. And, you know, basically those who studied some hypnotherapy or NLP, he was um, the one that had trained Bandler and Grindler who uh, created neurolinguistics programming. So, yes, we, I fell right into that right from the get go <laughs> that, mm. you know, what you're saying has to be spot on. And there's a science to uh, healing and rapport that starts right there. I mean, if you don't get that started and that's what I'm really interested in getting the, the big box healthcare facilities to start recognizing it's it starts with rapport. It's not so much just bedside manner, but there's. There's a whole science of that, getting them to de-hex, you know, their medical condition just by even laughing at it um, or just even remembering the patient's name and, and looking at them and having a certain posture and tone. And it, it means a lot to, to someone who's scared, especially if they have a condition that they don't have any idea what's going on. So just that in itself and learning about the mental science that goes along with establishing communication verbally and non-verbally. I mean, it, there's a, there's a whole science. I mean, I don't want to get into this part. On the other hand, it's more important who you be than what you do sometimes mm. getting into that right state and holding space mm. for these people. So mm. 
but that's a whole different that's a whole different thing to get to get into. But, but I, I work with um, um, puppies and and dogs and the little folks um, that have um, special needs and conditions, and it takes me a little longer because it I have to before I go in, I have to get myself into state. I mean, they know friend or foe at the door, so it's really important to me for me to get into a, a certain state to hold hold space for them. So not feeling rushed or, you know, hurried or whatever the family phone call was 10 minutes before, but just really getting into that good space. So that's, that's a Indeed. whole different talk into itself. Indeed. And I mean, it doesn't get more primal than that on a certain level. You're not going to fool that sense. So yeah, get, oh, no. it has to be the real thing. Absolutely. And that's why I work with the dogs and puppies and the little folks, because you have to be spot on. And, you know, I, I, I use placebo effect all the time. Um, we just call it suggestion. Yeah. And the power of suggestion is, is amazing when it comes to working with clients and the adults. That stuff doesn't work for, you know, little ones that are two or three months and dogs and puppies. So mm -hmm. uh, it, it changes my focus a little bit. Uh, there's a little bit different strategy in working with them. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, how do you see the legacy of Milton Erickson and Bandler and Grinder and a lot of the trainings that came out of the 70s and 80s that I grew up with, actually? My my father was a hypnotherapist, so I'm second generation and had the absolute benefit and going back, looking back on it now, the luck of being born into a situation that I would eventually you know, kind of continue. But I, I see... Milton Erickson's work in so many different areas of modern culture now, and, you know, it's rarely do I see his name, but things like ASMR or even, you know, marketing language and, and kind of the other applications that a lot of the the work that was done by those pioneers has, has gotten brought into. I'm curious to hear where you see that and how you feel about it today. Well, I couldn't have done the kind of therapies I do without having that background. And it wasn't easy. I mean, it sounds like, you know, you go into and observe for some of these old guys and gals and, and it was strict. I mean, you, that's, that's your language had to be spot on. I mean, you couldn't, you couldn't say the word pain in the office after the first two minutes, you can never say the word pain again. Right. Um, it, you always had to, you know, call it, you know, is how uncomfortable does it get or, things like that. So the legacy of, say, you know, Van, Vandler and Grinder and Milton Erickson is, has such a huge impact. I mean, it's just now coming around now where they're finally recognizing, you know, words have the power to, to heal. Mm -hmm. And suggestion is even more powerful. I mean, the, just to be able to suggest in the way I learned, and I too am a hypnotherapist, Yet, you know, uh, it's a little different. You know, we don't put uh, people into trances, but it's just a matter of, of talking. Uh, I do do guided imagery work mm -hmm. for clients. So not to say I, I don't do uh, your standard hypnotherapy. I don't know if there is a standard hypnotherapy, but it was it was me taught neither. to me a little. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah it, it was just taught to me a little differently. And it's, it's through experience. On the other hand, I've seen just remarkable results with it. I mean, I saw somebody who came into the office that was purple 
And this was a, and that was truly the the point where I I said, okay, I believe in this. Where the per person was purple, and he came into the office. This guy Don was treating her. It's like, what are you going to do with someone who's purple? I mean, we thought it was some kind of connected connective tissue disorder. She's been all to the best, you know, positions in San Francisco and everything. And basically, you know, she he came up and found that she was in, really in shame and embarrassment um, from having <laughs> having been caught with a boy in her house, and she thought her parents were away, and there was a certain religion or something like that. And two days afterwards, yeah, she turned purple. And so when he when she came in, I remember the last thing he said is, "You know what?" Uh, you're always going to be your um, your parents' daughter, but you're no longer their little girl, and walked out. And I just saw her start shaking after that. And she was, I mean, she wasn't a little girl. She was 29 years old and a CPA. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I didn't even know what to say. And three days later, she comes back in, and she's perfectly fine. Wow. So after I saw that, and she had been to all the best <clears throat> physicians and orthopedists and, you know, everything. And it took just a simple line like that. You know, you're no longer your parent's little girl. And yeah, what what a change. But I, I saw the her physiology change as soon as he said that. So yeah. after that, I was convinced that, you know, just the words alone have the power. To, to make a huge shift in the physiology. It's a great example too that you provide there of how that can land and, and create that shift. And it is such a powerful thing to see. I mean, of course I've had that experience too. I wish everybody could have that experience of seeing that in motion because it, it really, it teaches you what is possible. Absolutely. I mean, the, the, la the other result was and I thought he was just absolutely crazy, and uh, because he he was a blind he was blind also, but he had just the most amazing practice in the San Francisco Bay Area. It looked like Grand Central Station, <laughs> and the thing is, is that he had to have a kidney removed, and everyone went to see him. So the anesthesiologists and the surgeons all knew him, and he took um I think he took a, a Valium, and didn't want anesthesia. And I just thought this is nuts, and was able to get through it fine. As a matter of fact, he walked back to the, back to his uh, his room after the surgery. Hmm. Wow, Jessica, I'd I'd love to hear you say a little bit about your experiences with Cliff, Jessica. Well, firstly, I just love hearing two of my favorite people talk to each other. So that's why you're not hearing much of my voice right now. But um, you know, it's interesting how I came to find you cliff i'm kind of one of those people that if you've heard something three times from a person you respect like from three different people in three very different ways like i heard your name and i remember the the final time i heard it i it was from another healer that was like you have to go and see cliff and i just came to see you and it has been such an amazing experience and I you're based in LA um, but you're also available now um, for telesessions which 
I'm very much taking advantage of because I'm in New York right now and we can't fly to LA. But um, seeing you in person, just being in your presence is such a healing experience because I've found that most of the modalities that have helped me or helped heal me or just given me a great sense of um, ease and peace have been those somatic experiences with you. And those are things that I feel are very powerful through touch. Like I'm very into the idea of like being with a practitioner in the room, doing the work, shifting the space, the energy, and have seen such great results from that. So much so that when I speak to you over the phone, and in the similar way when I speak to Dan, that um, you guys have dropped these anchors, <laughs> is what Dan calls it. And so just in those conversations that we have, even after like a healing session, you can reactivate that healing. Like, so it continues to, I don't know, like replicate and, um, and expand. And so I've found through my experiences working with you that the expansion is just exponential and it's really hard to just describe in a quick sentence what it is that you do, but you do so many different things in session. And, um, one thing in particular that, you and I have been talking about a lot recently is healing trauma and what is going on in the world now, what has been going on in our families, like intergenerationally. And um, I love that anecdote you tell about the, um, was it the mice and the strawberries? So I'd love for you to share that with our audience and talk a little bit more about that because I feel that um, I'm of uh, Jewish heritage, and I think that a lot of people's traumas are being like triggered and reactivated during this time. And I love hearing you speak about that and like the wisdom that you have and the research that you've been doing and how you've been working with patients around these topics and in terms of epigenetics as well. I find these things so fascinating and also just such a way to get at healing these traumas. And I've never heard about it until I started working with you. Um, I'm familiar with, you know, past life regression and, and moments of healing through past life. And I've had that definitely through sessions with Dan and you two have a lot of crossover. So it's kind of, I feel really special guys to be working with both of you. (laughs) Um, because I feel like I'm just getting so much care. And because of that overlap, there's just such a deeper understanding of how to get in touch with my intuition how to self-heal. And I feel like that's something that we're in such need of right now as a society. And um, yeah, so thanks for all the healing guys. But <laughs> but yeah, I would love to hear you speak more to that, um, specifically about what I was saying about trauma and just the ancestral piece of that and then what's going on now in relation to that. Sure, sure. Well, it's basically on the impact of emotions and trauma on health. And, you know, we have to kind of describe trauma, and that's basically a response to some kind of distressing event. And, and, 
it can cause like overwhelmment, overwhelmment, you know, helplessness. And what we're seeing now is it's collapsing our own personal narrative, which is extremely important. And this is how we get people back to that energy level or if you want to call it a frequency or an oscillation is making sure that their own personal narrative isn't collapsing. I mean, it's not only that's collapsing, but they're taking on the collective narrative of everybody. And so, and that's, you know, stay still based on, you know, what do we fear and who do we blame? And they get caught up in that matrix and there's, it's just not a no win situation. So once that happens, you know, we're looking at, okay, what's the effect? Okay. So today the effect of COVID. So when I have these, what we call reactions from the autonomic nervous system and they keep firing and I, it's below the level of my awareness. Now I'm starting to stress what we call the hypothalamus, which then stresses the adrenal. There's this axis. And when the adrenals get tired, the thyroid tries to take over the function. And when that gets tired, now we're having thyroid, either hypo or hyper. And now I'm looking for food sources to balance the energies out. I mean, this isn't just a dopamine response where I just want sugar, which is probably the most dangerous chemical in the world now. But I need that in order just to get through the day because the energy levels are just bouncing all over the place because of this open-ended, what we call a loop. And so when we can help them close this loop, then we can look at restoring their nervous system or autonomic nervous system to balance out. But, you know, it's been shown that stress, there's increased um, uh, depression, you know, increased diabetes, increased alcohol and drug use, and even for low, it shows that they're lower income. So it, it affects us on many um, ways, not just on our health, but, you know, the social economic impact. But now that opens us up for COVID because who does it affect? It affects people who, whose immune system are the most compromised. So, and going back to, you know, hearing you say you're of Jewish background, well, I'm, you know, a Japanese American and, you know, I'm in my 60s now. So when I hear the word camp, it's not always a happy fe- it's a happy feeling like summer camp. It was yeah. the, you know, the relocation camps during World War II. And you know, my parents and grandfather, my grandfather was in a special camp where he was interrogated for a year, meaning that he was brought close to death. And, you know, as and that's the job of an interrogator, not to kill the prisoner, but to interrogate them. And when I heard that, that's when I started recognizing all the stuff that I had going on. So it was self-healing for me. Like, why am I feeling like this? Everything's going great. You know, the marriage is going great and businesses. Why am I feeling like this? I just couldn't find a way out of it until I was able to bring this to a level of awareness. Like, wow, you know. My grandfather was, you know, pretty much when he came back to the regular concentration camps at Manzanar, you know, they basically looked looked like it's a skeleton. So, and just the impact it had on, you know, my family members and my siblings. So, uh, just that alone, it was things to work out where it didn't start with me, and that's where I can bring that to an awareness and go, okay, I get it. Let me start shifting out of this, and what can I do to help shifting out out of that position? So with my clients, it's some of it is that is that with them also. And then once they're able to look at it, 
we use biometrics. So there's a science to this. So this intergenerational trauma or ancestral trauma, there's a science to it. So going back to this study by Dr. Diaz at Emory, they gave a, a mouse this uh, smell of strawberries. And what happens, they would give them a light zap. And so now this mouse is complete, or these mice are completely freaked out with strawberries. So now they in vitro other female mice, and now their offspring are afraid of strawberries or highly reactive to strawberries. They have the sensitivity to it. So now the next level is they go into what we call epigenetics. And it's so cool that people even know this word. I mean, mm -hmm. 10 years ago, no one even knew what this word was about. It's where your thoughts and your environment actually changes the DNA. And so they now look at an area on the DNA called telomeres. And at the end of them, they're these little, they look like shoelaces. It holds the DNA together. It's the little plastic on the, on the ends. But those are affected. And they showed that um, survivors of the Holocaust and their children have it, and a large percentage of African-Americans also. And there was actually somebody, it was really great, someone just sent me a video uh, on YouTube of a, uh, an African-American pastor named T.D. Jakes or something like that. And he went back to Ghana to see the castle where they would, the, the slave trade started, that was the beginning of where they would pack all the slaves there. And it was just so inhumane. And he put his fingernails into one of the concrete bricks where they were scratching to, to try and get out. And just the impact that he felt from that and the dehumanizing, I can't even imagine things that had happened. But he was saying that that can be carried down also. And so now we're looking at the science of and the impact of trauma on, on health and behavior. So there's, there's a lot of things that are starting to evolve with it. It's still very, very controversial. On the other hand, we've been able to see that you know, people are, have been able to respond. So we do things like heart math or look at mm -hmm. oxygen concentration when they're um, able to change that. So when they recognize, it all starts with awareness. So once I'm aware that I'm feeling a little bit funky and I have no reasons why I'm feeling like this, I'm getting up like this, or then they can start changing. Or like, can I change my breathing pattern? Can I look at heart math and just see that my heart is in coherence? Or look at them, make sure my oxygen levels are up and that I'm not hyperventilating or I'm getting enough CO2. You know, we need CO2 as much as O2 and it dilates the vessels. So there is a balance to all of this and it's, it's starting to evolve. And that's the great thing that I like to, to teach and see is that there's a bridge between alternative care and primary care. And also, if you want to get really down to it, and this is where Dan is probably an expert at it, where it's the physical and the non-physical, but that there's definitely that bridge. It's probably just, again, a byproduct of my having the good fortune to have grown up around a certain amount of this. Uh -huh. But at a young age, I was just like, that separation isn't there. The uh, Because I was constantly hearing my dad and his colleagues talk about and defend amongst themselves past life regression and regression therapy. And you know, just could kind of hear the arguments. And at a young age, with the sarcastic mind of a teenager in the early 1990s, could hear all of the kind of imagined 
pieces of it. Agreeing with you completely, of course, Cliff, and appreciating everything you're saying, man. And thank you so much for that story about your grandfather. That's really beautiful. And uh, yeah, it, and to your point, uh, that that separation, that possibility for collaboration, the uh, internal reflecting external even is a, a principle of this podcast and something Jessica and I are talking about constantly. So yeah, it's deeply appreciated. I, I'm, I'm curious, you've probably heard the saying before that every session of therapy is family therapy. Uh, how does family work and ancestral healing come into your practice today? Do you use it constantly or do you wait for your patients to guide you there? Uh, absolutely. It's, it's more of a guide. Mm. And, you know, when we work with clients and I would say half my practice is actually practitioners. They're either mm. oncologists, orthopedic surgeons to Reiki teachers or practitioners and acupuncturists and chiropractors. So it's interesting. It's, it's a mix of them and they're very conscious. So sometimes where they've been working on themselves a lot, we're looking at I look at it from the somatic point of view. We, we call it an, and it's kind of a big word, it's called an afferent signal, meaning that they're just now recognizing that there's more uh, neurotransmitters in the stomach area than in the brain. So, yeah, the, yeah. the body is communicating with the brain as much as the brain is communicating with the body. And so that's where we work. We work it somatically. And when we first started doing a lot of this or – it actually started with athletes. It was back in the day pre-steroids where it was U.S. versus the world or U.S. versus the communists on, you know, on the world stage. Hmm. How do you increase an athlete's performance? And that had to do with um, the thought processing. But you can see the somatic effects. You know, the, he's, the person is so off in timing. His eye-hand coordination is horrible. His, um, there's no core involved at all and instead of doing more core exercises than when they come in we're doing things that um, de-inhibit their core so the, the emotional system and the core is one and the same thing so that's why coaches know now if a player is either if they're pissed off at the, the another player or the ref or umpire they need to get him out because he has no stability in the core he's going to blow an ankle or a knee within the next few plays so it's getting their heads back into the game. So in terms of, you know, some of the clients we use, utilize this on, it's usually almost through, uh, uh, like we mention things like this and we let them kind of guide us as to, you know, what they want. Sometimes it's just for a lot of clients, it just could be just a, a brief amount of insight. It's like, oh, I get it. Hmm. So it didn't start with me. So now where do we go with this? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, when you're feeling this, you can do things to reverse it or to get yourself out of that state. I was going to say that was one of the most comforting things I think that you told me was that, oh, maybe this isn't yours. You know, all of the anxiety and the fear that it wasn't actually sure. necessarily coming from something that was going on in my life, but it could be from somewhere else. And I was just carrying on this um, symptom. Absolutely. And then, you know, what's nice about it is then everybody's off the hook. Right. Parents right. are off the hook. Siblings <laughs> are off the hook. You know, it didn't, it didn't start with them. And if they can recognize that and have a little bit of compassion or empathy that goes along with it, then they can see, hmm, I get it. 
this it really didn't start with any of all of us and it's just been passed down and now can i break the chain of this right by just you know not some kind of reversing it i mean in a, in a sense where i can dissolve this okay this didn't start with me how do i change my state right so we look at changing state and once they can get out of state then we use a narrative and that's why there's something called vagal vagal nerve stimulation. I mean, it's a big term, and I don't think it's just the vagus nerve. But once they establish that they can get out of the state, they express their narrative through their eyes, their face, the tone of their voice, and especially their posture. And this is what monks and, and 17th century rabbis used to do before they would go into prayer, that I change my state mm-hmm. by doing something physical and then go into prayers or chanting. And they felt that they were answered because quicker or better or whatever, because they had changed their their state before doing it. It's interesting that the state, it just brings you into alignment. And the first time I met you, um, you know, you opened the door for me. I walked into your office. I didn't realize that you were, you know, examining how I'm walking. Like for in, oh, yeah. in the first moment, like you're like just completely tuned into how I'm walking and when I started to describe all of the plethora of symptoms I was having, my long laundry list, um, you quickly identified the way that I was walking, corrected the way that I was walking. I think I was stepping into my walk, like with my my left leg, and um, uh-huh. and it totally described all of the reasons why I was having some problems with certain organs, and you rattled off like, get tested for this and this and this and this and this, like, you know, to get blood tests done, um, looking at all of these things. And, but I don't know how much you remember about each of your individual patients, but, um, you told me, I have a feeling that it's your, um, adrenals and your cortisol levels are through the roof. And so I went, had the blood test taken and my doctor texts me. And the first thing he texts me was, cortisol levels through the roof, like verbatim, and you don't know my doctor. So just to be able to diagnose that or try to sort of guess what's going on just by examining my posture and my walk and how that could be um, shifted, altered, improved, and how that can then filter through the whole body and heal itself is just fucking amazing. And it seems something so silly to be about, this is about a walk, like to walk properly or to walk in state. So I think that that for me was, I'm, I'm still mind blown by that because (laughs) you didn't, you didn't give me a blood test. You merely just analyzed how I was walking for a few moments. And then, and then later on we worked on how to walk properly. And I've been relieved of a lot of those um, ailments just from the walk alone. Well, the walk alone is so important. And I wish I can take credit for some of this, but I can't. I mean, it, it wasn't taught to me. I would have never have known it. But it's called an adrenal posture. And what happens when the adrenals are stressed, the body automatically internally rotates at the hips, the shoulders, and the head comes forward. And basically, you're looking at a martial arts stance. It's a, it's a stance to protect the midline of the body. It's kind of like the bird with the injured wing 
stance. And that's the way the adrenals work. And it shows up physiologically in posture. And it can, it can be reversed. See, in, in a sense, and no, no cut on the physical therapy schools or the new students coming up, but when the students come out and they're trying to show clients postures, like none of this is going to work. Or it'll work for 20 seconds and they'll, by the time they get to the elevator, they'll be back. It's their narrative. They're carrying their narrative. And so maybe I'll get, you know, nowadays, I mean, just being in the area that I'm in, that we'll get somebody who's going to be on the red carpet and they are completely introverted or they're going to be on stage. So they'll come in and we work on their narrative and we work on their posture and it becomes electromagnetic. You can't even, their body morphs into it. They viscerally becomes, say, one client was, said, well, this is so many components to it. It's like, let's just anchor a thought. Okay. And she said, what, what, what kind of posture? I said, what kind of posture you want? She goes, the ones that, that look like a matador, not the ones that hurt the bull, but, you know, walks into the ring. And I'll tell you, she came back, you know, afterwards and she showed me on her phone. She goes, check out your girl on the red carpet. And it's, you couldn't, you couldn't even morph that you couldn't even Photoshop it the way she moved and looked. She viscerally became a different person. It's so crazy. And that's what I've learned from this. Huh? It's so it is. crazy. It's, it's really like cool. shape shifting, but it is for real guys. Like I took a picture of what I, I, my face looked like before I saw you in the mirror in your office. And then I took a picture of my face after, and I look like a different person. And I wasn't even going for beauty work. Like I was going for other fucked upness <laughs> stuff. <laughs> with my health yeah and um but my face shifted it was interesting yeah it, yeah now you're giving away my secret but here it is yeah <laughs> once we give, we do cranial work and we balance it we have to we have to do inner mouth work too to relieve what's called a pterygoid and master mm-hmm. muscle those are the, the strongest muscles in the body but once we can release that and we can shape or the, the basics of this comes from the Greeks. It was head molding by the midwives. They knew how to shape the head to the little ones. Mm-hmm. So beauty is all a part of this work too. It's balanced beauty and symmetry. Yeah. And an orange is beautiful in itself in order to attract uh, an animal to take it, to ingest it so it can have seeds far, far away. So beauty is, is part of it. And it's electromagnetic when they move. But that you just hit the nail on the head. It's their narrative. Can they shift into their narrative and express it through their eyes, their face, you know, their, their tone of voice and their posture. The um, psychotherapists are doing something really great called EMDR now work. And they're, you know, working through the eyes to anchor different uh, resolutions. And, and it's, it's really cool work that they do. I work with a number of them. And so, yeah, we, we just look at the somatics of it and how to shift them out um, by shifting the somatics that then changes their perception. So it's a, it's kind of a old, old concept, but yet it's finding its place now, especially in Hollywood. It's, it's really funny. But yeah, that's part of the, the little secret with posture and look um, when they come in before their events. They, they want to get their face balanced to look symmetrical and it's the most of it is, is comes from their own personal narrative. And I don't let them leave until they can recite their narrative and walk back and forth with a beanbag on their head. (laughs) Yeah. I was walking up and down in the hallway. (laughs) 
Yeah. Well, <laughs> not with the bean important. bag, and, but and people don't real. And yeah, and and people don't realize that when you move, it's electromagnetic, and not just for women; it's for men too. I mean, if you see somebody dunk the ball and they call a timeout and they walk off the court, it, it's electromagnetic. I mean, there's there's a certain walk. The organs are aligned. The spine is in a certain structure. The bones are now radiating electricity. Uh, we're now an antenna receiver, and that's what we're supposed to be. It's kind of like what yoga does. In, in the Far East, they don't really do psychotherapy. They do um, therapies through the somatics, through yoga, through martial arts, and things like that. In South America, you know, they, they might use medicinal herbs ayahuasca and magic mushrooms and so in, in this country it's more the psychotherapy and, and medications but you know it's it's we throw a lot of stones at the medical profession but they do a lot of good also there's times where you need that mm -hmm. stuff absolutely and it's to be integrative and that's again my goal is to see that happen or that bridge happens because that's the way i work you know we have a whole program that's just basically for alternative and holistic people and it's a pre-screen for it, you know. If it's something bilateral, that's a red flag. It's called be aware. <laughs> and it's a pre-screening for practitioners knowing when to, to send somebody out. Mm. You know, it's, 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 it's really important. And it, you see magic happen when both of them work together. You know, maybe they're getting chemo and you're doing guided imagery or hypnotherapy like Dan mm. or so. It just works. It works beautifully together. You were speaking to my soul a few moments ago, Cliff, when you were talking about the Greeks and beauty. It's a big part of this podcast as well. Jessica is our resident expert on minimalism. I consider myself an amateur in just about every way when it comes to aesthetics, although I do have a deep appreciation of beauty in my environment and in people and in the world around me. Uh, and refer often in my life to the School of Athens when I'm, I'm needing some kind of refresher or guidance in my philosophy. Uh, so to hear you speak about those things and their integration into your work, I don't necessarily think everybody should be taught that. Maybe they should. I mean, perhaps a little bit is worthwhile. But I just know how useful it's been to me. And again, to hear you speak about it, uh, I, I deeply appreciate it. And I do think this is, I mean, we're coming from New York and Los Angeles in this conversation. So in terms of culture, fashion, movies and television, there's a lot to be said about beauty. But then coming back to the Greeks, there is this deeper understanding of mental, uh, mental and emotional beauty and uh, you know, deeper, older, wider definitions of what was beautiful than things that we might see in advertising or on television today. So, oh, ab absolutely. Yes. <clears throat> that's a that's a great point. I I discovered the Greeks a, a while back, and again, not by choice. It was spoon fed mm -hmm. to me by some of the practitioners I've learned. I mean, we we hear about Eastern medicine all the time, although I work with well, I work up. Dr. Tuwade, uh, he was with the Smithsonian now with the Huntington Library in Los Angeles, but he has the largest collection, personal collection of books of Greek medical antiquity. And, you know, I've traveled to Athens mm -hmm. with him or to different parts of Greece and for seminars and to, for lectures. And it's amazing what they knew in terms of frequency and tone. And so it wasn't just Eastern medicine. And the, the cool thing is he has the books that show 
that they were communicating with the Chinese through the Silk Road. Hmm. And so it was open. They were openly discussing, you know, what herb to take or this is what we do with this. And actually Greek and Chinese medicine, people may not really recognize it, but they're they're basically the same. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. My wife is an acupuncturist. I didn't realize that either. I was just through art school. Yeah. In terms of. I've been always obsessed about the golden proportions and, you know, studying the form through that. So I think the work that you do when you're actually getting people to physically change their body posture speaks to me in a really real, like a practical way, you know, because just like think of it like Mm -hmm. how you're carrying yourself and it's really how you're showing up in the world. And I think we don't actively think about these things. So when you talk about, awareness in terms of those ideas of just walking or sitting or standing kind of to speak to what you were saying about Greek and Roman influence on these things. It's like, it's all connected. Oh yeah. It's all connected. And they knew so much back then. And yeah, unfortunately there's not too many people that practice Greek medicine. I know Kostas in Athens, but he had to go back and learn, become an acupuncturist in order to study to fill in the pieces for Greek medicine. So yeah, it's uh, it's really amazing what they knew in terms of frequencies and using, I mean, it looked like they were just playing the harp and they weren't, <laughs> they were using certain, it, it, it looks like they were doing, they were using certain frequencies for different organ yeah. systems and it's so advanced. And now we're, I'm just learning about it and use and utilizing it or solarium therapy, learning how to dose sun, you know, for people recovering from certain, illnesses or injuries um cranial sacral started with the greeks actually i don't know if the chiropractors want to hear it but the word was called chiropracticon they were doing manipulation back then uh and it was basically for the royal family and the military though it's before it kind of spread to the masses but they called it chiropracticon that story must be fascinating of the silk road and the communication across cultures and nations at that time is there a book or, or a source that you could recommend there i would i would love to learn about that yeah unfortunately these are the books that are written in uh, greek <laughs> of aramaic. Course. Yeah. Yeah. so i'll pages. just learn aramaic and then i'll read it that'll be fine yeah, yeah. i know i know same yeah. here but, but luckily maybe we can uh, do the audio book uh, together Dr. Cliff. <laughs> There you go. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to Dr. Tuwade about good. that and he can explain all of it. Uh, so, but it, it's in there and the, all the different practices. Actually, it, it was called physiotherapy for physical mm. therapy. So actually physical therapy started with them also, but they called it curative gymnasium. There was certain motions and movements and uh, yeah, there was actually a hundred exercises where it had mentioned that they do a day. And that's why, you know, their bodies weren't photoshopped. Those, those are, those statues right. are real. They're great statues, man. So, <laughs> which brings us to the idea of self-care and you know, uh, what is sure. very much an abstract topic, I feel, for so many people. I know with my clients and the people I work with, oftentimes we are creating in real time in our sessions kind of shared definitions for certain things so we can gain a clarity and have a shared vocabulary for the way forward. And self-care is one of those terms that I feel does change in the mind of every person, perhaps every context. I'm curious, Cliff, with your knowledge and background to hear your definitions and thoughts on, on what self-care is. 
And if you can give us any self-care tips, too, that'd be awesome. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> any that I haven't heard. The universal sure. prescription. Sure. <laughs> there, yeah. there you go. Well, first of, first of all, it starts with awareness. In what, what am I feeling? And then it, sometimes you have to have a practitioner like yourselves to actually bring that to them to where they can have that insight. Like, what am I feeling? Am I starting to feel? And again, you know, we work from the somatics or from the body. So am I feeling butterflies? Am I feeling some digestive issues, bloating? Am I feeling something in my throat? Then, you know, that's, that's where it starts. Now, you know, what, what can I DIY about my own personal healing? You know, this is all about do it yourself nowadays when, you know, we're working on telehealth or telesessions now. Uh, A big word that comes up lately is uh, vagus nerve stimulation. And again, that's, you know, when we see somebody in what we call a sympathetic state or fight or flight state, they, if you look at a gazelle, they don't go straight into fight or flight. It's um, socialization. There, it's nonverbal communication. Where's my herd? Where's my family? I need help. If they don't find that, then they go into fight or flight. And then once that chase is on and maybe now they're getting, they're trapped by this lion they now go into freeze and submit. And that's where we find some of our clients, unfortunately. They get to that point and it's it's below the level of awareness. I mean, I've even seen first responders, they can't move. And it's a natural response because there's a 50-50 chance that if I just play dead or this gazelle plays dead, that the lion will go, nah, forget it. It was about the chase. Mm. And so we still have that instinctually in the body. So when we can bring that to awareness, it's like, is there something I can now do? Can I l- listen to the body? Is it, is it depression? Is it anxiety? Is it insomnia, feeling of overwhelmment? And then how is that reflecting into my body? So now we can do things that stimulate the vagus nerve. Uh, one thing is, this may not, for a lot of people, they might not like this, but cold shower. Wow. Honey, the Vegas nerve. that's me every day. The cold plunge, yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> the cold shower. Oh, man. There you go. Cold shower. Uh, while you're in the cold shower, gargling. Oh, mm-hmm. I recently added that. Thank for you. For about... <laughs> it's very weird, okay. too. And that's, and that's... It's weird, too, but it's not your normal gargle, like you're just rinsing your mouth, but gargling almost as if you're preventing yourself from drowning. Oh where you, your eyes start to tear just a little bit. Interesting. And that's going and that'll stimulate the vagus that's nerve. That's really too. weird. Then there's a branch that's <laughs> really weird. That it is. Don't don't think and of the word drowning and, at the time though. <laughs> right, then yeah, it's going to like trigger a past life memory, right? I'm going to have to <laughs> yeah, call right, Dan. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, or just you're, you're keeping the water from your lungs. Okay. Yeah. There, there you go. But make sure the eyes are tearing. There you go. Good good point. <laughs> the there hypnotist you, yeah. in me, I couldn't good, help it. Good point, you know? Dan. <laughs> good, good call, Dan. You're, 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 you're a true mentor. <laughs> and then the other one, there's, there's, a, there's a branch that goes to the, from the vagus nerve to the ears. And we do this all the time for dogs and puppies. And the little kids, too, a little bit. But dogs really respond to it. If you rub their ear, but you're pulling your um, index finger back and your thumb forward, so it's a gentle rub on the ear around, you know, just just kind of rub the ear like that. And it elicits all four brain waves 
to the to the oh. dog. They should been able to, to show the human that. too, and it just relaxes them out. Can do that to, okay. for humans too. Because I'm doing that right now. Hmm. It feels good. There you go. There's another one for the vagus nerve. What if you put your hand palm over palm over your chest, and you're actually going to move the fascia. So you're going to kind of do a skin pull. If you do, if your hand is like you can see, imagine six o'clock at the bottom of your palm and 12 o'clock where the tip of your fingers are. If you do a circle from six to six and then up a quarter to either nine or three, depending on if you're going clockwise or counterclockwise, that will elicit all four brain waves also in humans. Is that like a thymus tap so too, or is that something different? This is a little different. So you're doing something called, well, you, you probably know the word Fibonacci. Yes, I do. It's a, it, there's something about that kind of emotion, and you could do it either uh, clockwise or counterclockwise, whatever feels best for you. And that also will get, will stimulate the vagus nerve oh, too. Okay, that all makes sense now for me. Sorry. And also, in, and then <laughs> some things just connected <laughs> for me right now. And the most important thing I love is narrative. It's one of the most important things I see, and unfortunately, I see people collapsing or col it's a collective narrative of what's going on these days. But just getting back into your own personal narrative, and it's not an affirmation to me. It's it's something that I, I do this repetitively. So it might be fill in the blanks. And I, when I help my, some of my clients, I live a blank life. And so some of them say I live a charmed life. I live a privileged life. I live a happy life. So it's really simple. This, and it's, this is based on mathematics. It's as crazy as this narrative sounds. Uh, my friend figured this out. And so the second part is, and frustrations happen or and aggravations happen because that's just part of life struggles, but no big deal. And then, so that's where the frustration, that's where people get stuck. You know, the frustrations or the aggravations happen and they fall apart there. So now I know it, it can potentially happen, no big deal. So the second part is, and everything works out even better if I did it myself, meaning I'm co-creating. And then the, the last part is the fun part. Even if I were to have a magic wand or a magic lamp or a fairy godmother or what have you. So they play with this narrative as they're walking. And it's really, it's really fun to see because now you're going to express that narrative. And here I learned this from the actors that we see times 10 through the facial features and tone of voice and posture. And that's your nonverbal communication, which is the highest functions that we work with. If I can restore nonverbal communication, the rest of the system seems to get better. I mean, this is crazy because we have people toning their voice and they have they're ready for low back surgery or L45 disectomy in two weeks. And it's like, what the hell am you doing this for? <laughs> yeah. But it's to reestablish because once they can reestablish, they lose that stenosis. The intraspinal muscles in the spine that are pulling so tightly together is doing the opposite of playing Jenga. Mm -hmm. It's creating stability by compressing everything down. And once they lose that fear or that anxiety, the spine goes back to normal and they actually increase in height. Well, just that visual you give of like, you know, when you are sitting like this or standing like this or walking like this, like you're crunching everything down, like all the organs are getting 
smushed. I don't know how yeah. to say that in an intellectual it, way, but they're just getting. That's the best word there is. That's the best medical term. Smush. Yeah, smushed is like, the perfect term. This is getting smushed. And then if, it makes sense. You're, you know, adrenal fatigue, you're moody, you're depressed, you're anxious, all of those things that, you know, it, that just makes total sense to me having you have had explained it in that particular way and just making like just these very subtle adjustments like it's not like going into a chiropractor right where you're getting like heavily manipulated sometimes depending on the kind of chiropractic um care people you know receive but yeah now it's just about well for me walking down the street like a weirdo (laughs) practicing my walk and like knowing that that's actually healing my body oh big time i mean we look at the lymphatics as more important than blood flow because it's like if nobody's taking out the garbage you can have a mansion or a temple and it's still a dump (laughs) your your body has to get that stuff your body's got to get that crap out of your Mm -hmm. out of your system and if your body's in an adrenal posture it can't so you know the best lymphatic drainage is walking in a state where the groins are soft and the under the shoulders or the we call the axle is soft and you're moving in a in a nice pattern. It's moving the lymphatics and the organ systems are lined up. So when we look at posture, we don't look at just as a musculoskeletal pertaining to you know the shoulders and the spine and the hips and legs or anything. We look at it as the organs are lined up. And when the organs are lined up, now you become this antenna. You can start downloading and sending information. You become this live wire. Um, so posture is a little bit different in, in our book. It's really, really important. But the narrative has to go with it. That's that's the key. Yeah, that's the that's the magic formula to all this. And it's the next hard. part is it is hard, Cliff. There you go. Yeah, it's work, really hard. Work on that. I mean, work I, on I, that I narrative. Be more aligned with you. I'm. I'm sitting here trying to process everything to respond to but yeah absolutely one thousand percent and the the other thing that's super important is Mm. sleep cycle i mean if i'm going to correct anything in here it's their sleep if they're saying i have insomnia or i'm waking up three or four times whatever it's like okay we got to correct that now because you can have be in perfect health and have a really crummy night's sleep and get a blood test and everything's going to look jacked. So sleeping is so important. And, and there's a there there's a way to sleep. Um, number one, because people are inside so much, they're getting too much blue light from their computers mm-hmm. and and cell phones and artificial light. That we have them get up um, with the sun, so they're going to get the reds and yellows, you know, with the sunrise. And then they're going to get the reds and yellows with sunset. It's going to stimulate the pineal gland. And so we also have them eat during uh, sunlit hours. And if for women, especially if there's new moons or full moons, and you know some women can feel it, some can't, but you, the menstrual and birth cycles are based on the moon phases. You didn't tell me about the special diet. What is this? <laughs> oh, I did. I'm supposed to be eating at a certain time because you know you've got me eating every three hours, and I've been doing that. No, that that's okay. But if, you know, if you can eat, especially during daylight hours, to reset the what's called a circadian mm-hmm. rhythm, especially now because of you know everyone's quarantined or a lot of people are still working from the house and, and stuff like that, that gets them them going. 
But see, here's the key is that's only one side of it. When we try to get them to sleep as close to 10 o'clock as possible, because from 10 to 1 is where the most, what's called HGH, is uh, comes out of the system or human growth hormone, and that's the repair cycle. So you want it to stay in that cycle um, pretty well. And and not the, and here's the big one. Oh, I mean, here I'm going to give you all my secrets. Here. No, because I are, you've got plenty of secrets, plenty of secrets. Well, I'm ready for them. I want it. Right. So the, the big one, should I go ahead and about the, um, yes, the narrative yes, of sleeping? Please. It's called conscious sleeping. Okay. So here we go. When they're going to sleep and they're, they're, they're kind of in that insomnia or they can't sleep and things are, they're, they're trying to wind down. I have them keep repeating their narrative. And then I have them observe themselves going from conscious to unconscious. In old Chinese medicine, I guess, or Greek, it's like practicing death. So you're it's as close as to death as you can, but it's 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 really a cool thing. So you're going from consciousness to unconscious and you feel yourself slipping into unconsciousness. Mm-hmm. But you're saying your narrative as you're doing that. Now I have when when I have clients who have to have some kind of a surgical procedure, I have them do a different narrative. Like, you know, my hands are up to the universe or God or what have you, and then to the surgeon, and then I know you're guiding them and everything's going to work out great. And that's before they administer the anesthesia. So they're doing their narrative and they're practicing or they're kind of feeling themselves going from conscious to unconscious. So we're doing that while they're sleeping because the, and Dan, you know this better than anyone, conscious mind maybe is off guard right now, but the subconscious is always working. So as I'm practicing this narrative, that narrative is now embedded in my subconscious as I'm going into a sleep cycle. I do this with all my TMJ patients because TMJ is basically unresolved resentment to me. They're still grinding and gritting and there's, you know, some kind of emotional expression was never released. And it usually happens during sleep. And it happens during sleep. Exactly. Yeah, and my father treats patients for TMJ and it's all the same thing. It's like people are just grinding the shit out of their teeth. And it's interesting because when I had my session with you, I was having a lot of dental problems. Oh, yeah. And even though I was having the Invisalign, so luckily I wasn't actually grinding Uh my teeth because the plastic was protecting it from that. You just bringing that into my awareness that I need to physically relax my jaw, like actually bring that into my mind to relax the jaw and to massage along those lines that you showed me. I'm mm-hmm. no longer gripping my teeth. Like even when I put in my new trays and it was just like you, it was just a conversation. There you go. That's all it was. <laughs> well, for you, you're so smart already, Jessica. It just takes like, you know, clients that are already conscious and aware and they've worked on themselves. It just sometimes just takes like just a brief amount of insight, and that's all they need. You're flattering. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so when they go into their sleep cycle, they go really like it's, they kind of like slip in and really smooth. And when they come out of their sleep, I have them practice feeling themselves going from unconscious to conscious. So they feel like, like twilight and then quite, wow, this is really cool. And it's kind of like, you're coming back from the dead almost. And when they come out, then the first thing I do is the, it's like, as soon as you're out, mm. you gotta, you gotta get rid of the veil and the veil is the blanket. <laughs> so they have to peel the blanket off as soon as they, they're awake. 
because that's the start of the day. And they, they do what we call prompt. Um, and the prompt is, you know, today's, you know, a great day to co-create or whatever they want. You're, you're starting the, the subconscious to relax and uh, with a positive suggestion. You're not thinking of all the, you know, the crap that might have happened during the day or what they might have saw in the media. And then they slip into unconscious and then they awaken from unconscious to conscious with this positive prompt. And they might, you know, do some brushing or rub their hands or rub their face or just something to, to get active and going. But the sheet or the blanket is the main thing that holds people back. That's the veil. They got to get the they got to start with getting the blanket off. That's the perfect metaphor, man. I mean, what what more could you need right there? It's great. <laughs> What if it's a weighted blanket? There you go. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. All the better. <laughs> yeah, those, those those are good, but but you gotta you you got You gotta get the blanket off, otherwise the day just doesn't get started. Yeah, yeah. And it, and you do a prompt. And there was a doctor Fogg from Stanford who does something with prompts. Um, and we do a lot of things with prompts also, imagery prompts. We give dots to people. Uh, they put on their cell phones or their microphones or their baseball bats or I, whatever. I think Dan will know why I have all the dots in the house now. <laughs> Does that connect now, Dan? Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's, it's like, all coming together. Yeah. What are these dots in your house, Jessica? I'm like, I'm trying to remember to be in state. There you go. It's about always being in state. And then you create that detachment where, you know, you're you're in this world, but you don't have to be part of this nonsense that goes on and it's some of the craziness. Um, Speaking to that, you know, one of the the questions I wanted to ask you today, too, we have a a segment on the podcast called Wellness Realness, which is really just a a little opportunity for us to have fun and without shaming anything, without judging anything, you know, without going into any kind of negative stuff or shadow, the opportunity to be like, hey, this is what's going on here and this is what's not going on here or to, to vent necessarily about something that is on our minds. So I'm curious, Cliff, to, is there anything, it, the opportunity to vent here, man, is there anything in, in wellness or in culture or in the, the great metamorphosis of, of COVID that's happening for all of us that sure. is, you feel is worth our attention? Well, number one, a lot of this doesn't make sense. Um, you know, especially in LA, you know, one day the beaches are open, the next day they're closed. Yeah. And yet the casinos are open and it, 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 it just, you know, some things just don't make sense. You're just kind of scratching your head. Yeah. But then the dissonance you, is really taxing too. pardon my interruption. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. So it's, it's hard to say what they're thinking. And then, you know, there's a large group of, you know, my clients and just people in particular, and they're, you know, they're divided, you know, va- vaccinations or non-vaccinations. So, you know, who knows where this is all leading towards, you know, just, you know, hopefully people have a choice or in the matter. Um, so you know, we're looking at what that's all transpiring, um, bracelets, you know, that activate if you're coming close to someone who's active or not. I mean, privacy and, you know, a lot of the world right now is based on surveillance capitalism. You know? mm. And mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, I, I support technology um, to a T. On the other hand, it's who's running the technology and, and what's behind it right. sometimes. Absolutely. So those are the kind of the, the issues that, that I look at. On the other hand, there's, 
the fun part, I refer all my clients to watch the 1960 version of the Twilight Zone called Mobster in Heaven. Oh, yes. <laughs> Go on. I'm listening. Okay. And so the mobster shoots it out with the police and dies. And so he wakes up and he goes, gosh, I must be in heaven. And this, there's a man there, you know, greeting him. He goes, oh, you must be my angel. And he goes, well, I want this great apartment in, in New York. And he gets it right away. And he wants to win all the time at the casinos. And so he goes to the casinos and he wins every hand. And he pulls a slot machine and he's winning every, every time. And after a month, he goes, hey, look, you got to get me out of here. I don't belong in heaven. This place is it's horrible. I win everything. I get everything too easy. Get me out of here. And he goes, I, you know, I, I want to go to hell. And so the, the, the person who we thought was the angel next to him says, who think who said you were in heaven? Mm. <laughs> nice. Beautiful. Yeah. So there was a lot that, that that goes with that. I mean, you know, we it, it's we call it dance of opposition, where during the day, especially in the part, second part of the sleep cycle, as you do your narrative, even as crap is happening or aggravations or frustrations, that I can rise above it and glide with it instead of getting dragged through the mud with it. Mm-hmm. That way, if I can remain calm and in that empty space or still be intense but still be calm, it's not going to wear on my system and I'm not going to crash land when I sleep. In martial arts, snakes are the best representative of that. They're intense, but yet they're calm. Yeah. Snakes? Snakes. Yeah. Oh, God. A, a cobra is intense, but it's calm. Hmm. Yeah. Powerful yeah. archetypal symbolism, the snake. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. A new, uh, spirit animal. <laughs> so I teach that to my merger and acquisition attorneys. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah, that's that's absolutely amazing job that I would never want in a billion years. But <laughs> yeah, right. On the other hand, they now are are can see that okay, this is a game. I'm going to stay. Yeah, I'll be intense, but I'm not going to let it show in my body. And we have them on biometrics, you know, with heart math and things like that, so they can work intensely, but not show it physio- physiologically. You mentioned adrenal fatigue before, you know, and we're speaking about it so articulately. I think about that a lot with the dissonance and just everything that you were describing with COVID that's happening with so in so many places without having any answers or revelations here necessarily, but just with compassion for everybody and how many unknowns we're all managing right now and, you know, understanding if burnout was somewhat normal before, <laughs> even as yeah. we're all at home, just going through this psychological process of managing all of that uh, is is exhausting, right? A- absolutely. And where it starts with, and this is going to sound really corny, but it, it's restoring love for ourselves first mm-hmm. by by increasing our own bandwidth and whatever that means and so we can have compassion or empathy for others but it it starts with ourselves and you know when we don't have the time or finances or whatever can i still be that dance of opposition so the ultimate martial artist in our book is gene kelly i'm singing and dancing in the rain (laughs) or bowie you know put on your red shoes and dance the blues so when we look at just little sayings like that. It's like, okay, I, I mean, I have the greatest client and I learn more from this guy 
I learn more from my, it's, it's 50, 50 with my clients. I learn as much from them as they learn from me. And he's, he, he was, when he was 84, he started his fifth company wow. and amazing guy went from six people to 600. And he kept saying, you know what, as you get older, you want to take on more, maybe not physically, but you have the wisdom to take on more. He goes, and I love it because I take on tasks that other people can't figure out. And he says, and everyone can figure it out. He says, you just have to put your mind to it. And, and instead of seeing it as, as a bad thing, take it on as a, as a fun thing, like a puzzle. I, I can figure this out. I can do this. And so, yeah, he's so great. And he's in his 90s now. And yeah, he's just, he's just a gem. Oh, my gosh. He wrote a book called Let There Be Light. His, his name is, I can say it because he has his book. I promote his book all the time. His name is Jack Zuckerman. But he's just, just a lovely man. He and his wife. And uh, yeah, he's just terrific. All these little sayings he would give me, you know, all the time. I, yeah. I, I can relate. And, you know, it is a very, very, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just such a wonderful part of the work to be able to learn from your clients in that way and to be open to their stories and to build, build rapport as you speak about it, Cliff, it's, I have, it's all there. Yeah. I've, I've had that experience. I feel that too. Yeah. I feel like there's just so much like code cracking happening, you know, like when you're so collaborative with your practitioner. Well, yeah. Hmm. And you gotta, you gotta remember, I work at like a fourth grade level at best. I mean, (laughs) Oh. I, I try to keep this as I, I try to keep this as simple as possible. So we look at just three aspects: mind, body, behavior. And body is my job. The fascia is maybe you know twisted or you know the spine is a little crooked or whatever. Okay, that's that's my gig. Now perception or the mind, body. I mean behavior. That's their gig. And so here's the cool thing. Their mind and their behavior or their perception and behavior is bidirectional. So if one changes, the other one changes automatically. And if you're Asian, I never work the mind. I always work behavior because everything's great to them. They, they don't express themselves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the house is on fire. Oh, it's fine. No, things are good. <laughs> but when we work their behavior, like, hey, look, you really need to cut down on sugar by 50% for the first two weeks and 50% again the following you know, once you have gluten, got to drop the alcohol by 50% the first two weeks. I mean, then they start feeling better and their perception changes and vice versa. And when all three balance out, again, I don't have to do anything. They, they automatically get better. That just innate or functional intelligence just pops out and it's like, okay, you're done. Well, I know you have a lot of Jewish clients, so I'm, I'm very mm-hmm. keen to see what happens when... My father, Dr. Yastrovsky, steps into your practice because that's <laughs> going to be a real, <laughs> a real ride. So I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing how all of that goes. It, um, it's there. It, it's a lot of fun. I mean, and the thing is, is that, you know, I do have a lot of Jewish clients. I have a lot of inter, you know, a lot of all kinds of clients, and a lot of different backgrounds and professions. It's really cool. But, you know. I think when it comes down to all this and what's going on these days, it's just, you know, it's looking at just people who have been disenfranchised, you know, whatever or whoever they may have been, be, um, that we, you know, start becoming more empathetic and compassionate to them and, you know, kind of starts like 
there with the butterfly effect. And mm -hmm. maybe, maybe this is just nature's way of saying, okay, time to wake up people. Um, yeah. Taking it a little too far. No, I think that that's actually a beautiful place to end. Um, Agreed. But in summary, you know, stand up straight, walk in state, <laughs> sleep is important, practice death by going from conscious into unconscious, and peel that blanket off, right? That's right. That's <laughs> pretty, pretty simple. Amazing. They pay. They actually pay me to do this. I'm not and amazed. There's a waiting list. To... <laughs> you deserve every penny, man. Yeah, I'm not shocked at all. When I met you, more I was as just far like, as I'm concerned. I was like, I will give you anything. Yes. Um, so, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me on my website at uh, cliffmatsuno.com or email in, in, info at cliffmatsuno.com. And it, as crazy as this sounds. I'm not adverse to technology, but I just re I only put up a website since February and started getting on digital communication or social media, you know, in, in February. And it's because of just people like yourselves, they invited me word of mouth to podcasts and word of mouth. And now I'm having clients in Jordan and London and different wow. parts of the world. So it's been really terrific. That's awesome. Beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for talking about that and mentioning that. Is there any other trainings are there any other trainings or events coming up or anything else on the calendar for you that we can let our listeners know about yes i mean there's something called um uh, we're developing that we have them almost ready to be sent out called 40 for 40 so 40 seconds for 40 years of uh holistic experience and so just little things like we were talking about getting up at certain times um you know trying to get it if your cortisol levels are high walking between six and eight in the morning or the cortisol levels are the highest and It'll balance your adrenals for the day and things that helps their dogs and puppies and just little 40 second clips that uh, I think that can really help a lot of people. And it, this, this profession has been so amazing to me and the people that I learned from, I mean, I can see how much the therapists have paid for their education. You know, I have some people dropping like 150 K for a PT education and they come into my office and they end up crying going, Oh my God, I can never learn all this. And Luckily, I learned it for free. It wasn't free in the sense of, yeah, there was other there was other things that it cost a lot in my, my physical life, but you paid <laughs> learn, with your soul but, a bit. Oh yeah, it was a big. It, it, there was a cost in other ways, but just to know that I, I ran into all these practitioners from different walks of life that were able to give me these tips. And the last one is Dr. Kathy Lipman, who I was shared an office with till she's just retired. Um, just amazing holistic MD for 50 years and hmm. uh, can read blood work and things like that better than anyone. And she's just amazing practitioner herself. So yeah, I'm trying, I'm looking at giving back as much as I can to keep this, keep this going and um, keep some kind of uh, pearls or strings to, to follow down the, the following generations. Yes. We need you. You yeah. need to stick around and yeah, please do. If people can see you in person, I highly recommend it. Like I fly <laughs> to see Cliff and if it's, you know, once people are able to travel again, you know, I, that's on my high priority list. <laughs> You're the first person I want to travel to see when this is safer <laughs> to do so. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, you're available for telesessions. Yeah, we do do tele, yeah. Yeah, tell tell sessions. Yeah, and those are very effective. And it's what's what's nice about that, it's it's really improved my communication skills and and DIY curative 
gymnasiums, you know, what they can do for themselves. Mm -hmm. And yeah, the sessions are a little longer um, only because we want to make sure that they really get the concept down and we get an overall picture of what's going on with them. So, uh, but yeah, thank you guys for this kind of programs because these are so important that they come out nowadays and, you know, bringing on the kind of guests that you guys have. I've listened to a few of your podcasts and it's just really important that, you know, people maybe that have a little bit of science or wisdom of antiquity, you know, mm-hmm. are, are kind of now starting to speak up a little bit more because it's kind of on our watch what's going on right now. Yeah. Indeed. And I think that it's, you know, our duty to share this information. And we're just so grateful and appreciative that you would come on and and speak about all of these topics and, you know, give us some of your secrets too. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much, Cliff. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much, Cliff. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, Jessica. All right. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Visit MindSpaceMinimal.com and email us at MindSpaceMinimal at gmail.com. That's M-I-N-D-S-P-A-C-E-M-I-N-I-M-A-L.com. Keep it minimal and keep it moving. Thanks again for listening.